Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. You know, we are always searching for ways to live the example of our teachings in order to improve our world. One of the ways we accomplish this is with Partners Fair Trade Boutique, our store here at the Unity Center campus. You'll find many unique items from around the world, all ethically sourced through fair trade. So we've been on this journey looking at this topic of receiving. And, you know, we can think of receiving very simplistically as just receiving stuff. Daniel, in the song and the story he just shared, I think was writing about receiving the message of his spirit, the message of his heart and soul, and then receiving it and then doing something about it. And so we've been exploring and trying to help ourselves really come to embrace that the idea of giving and receiving is both and. That even though we may have grown up hearing phrases, you know, it's better to give than to receive, God loves a cheerful giver, all of that. And while there's truth to that, we cannot stay only on one side of the equation. That it really is about this balance, this flow. And for many of us, I think it requires a little bit of reflection and some healing in being able to feel good about being a gracious receiver. There's a big, big difference between being a gracious receiver and a taker. And we're going to look more at that uh, next week. But I was reflecting as I was going over my notes again um, yesterday, I I listened to all the music again associated with, with the talk, and I was listening to your words in that song. I was listening to, it's beautiful if you make it so. God is with you all the time. It's beautiful if you make it so. God is with you all the time. It's wonderful if you let it flow. If you let it flow, not push, not grab, very Buddhist, very Buddhist concept. It's wonderful if you let it flow. You'll know joyfulness in time. It will happen once you finally know that you and God alone will make it so. Sometimes it's hard to look inside and figure out what's going on. That's the line that really got me. It's hard to look inside and figure out what's going on. I think part of what pulls us into a spiritual teaching such as unity or, or science of mind is that we are really hungering and desiring to know the deeper dimensions of ourselves. Is that not true? We're trying to understand what makes us tick and, and what makes life work for us or what makes it not work. And so we have this, this hunger to, um, to look inside or life itself conspires to force us to need to look inside, to stop looking outside, and to start looking inside, to understand the journey of our spirit, the, the journey of our soul. And I think all of that has to do also with the importance of receiving the subtle messages, the subtle yearnings of our essence, of our heart, of our soul. And so we're exploring this idea of how to be better receivers. And as I was thinking about it again and going over my notes again, I was reminded of a passage in the New Testament in the book of, of James, the author that 
the book is attributed to is, is James, so we don't know for certain that it was James, and it was believed it may have been James, Jesus' brother, and that this particular book was written to the Jewish Christians at, at the time, those Jews who were challenged and, and were aware of this message of this man, Jesus, and wanting to understand his teaching and his philosophy. And James wrote these words, you have not because you ask not. And those were the words that came to me as I was thinking about this, this journey, this deeper exploration of what it means to, to, to know how to receive and to know how to give. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. The full passage is you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. There's a lot in that, a lot in that. You have not because you ask not. How many times have you been in a situation in a relationship where you wanted something, but you were hoping the other would somehow read your mind? You know, if they love me, how do, you, how do you end that? If they love me, they should know. They should be able to figure it out, right? They should, I see a lot of you nodding and turning to each other, right? So it, this is in part, in a way, what James is writing about. You have not because you ask not. Now, he's not talking about asking your partner, per se. He's talking about asking God, asking spirit, asking the divine, whatever you call that infinite presence, that ground of being, you have not, because you ask not. You desire, but you do not have. To desire means we want to what? We want to receive something. To desire, we want to receive something. You do not have because you do not ask God. On the surface level, we think it just means, we probably think it just means asking with words, right? We ask for something we want. We stop expecting the other to read our mind. And if we're thinking about asking God, to me that means we're asking in prayer, right? We pray. We pray from the consciousness of God. We pray ready to receive, and that's certainly part of it. But I think there's an even deeper dimension, and that dimension is the realization that whether we know it or not, we are always asking, and we are asking on many different levels. Our very way of being in the world, our consciousness, our thinking, our feeling, our attitude is an energy that moves from us outward, and it puts in motion an asking energy, if you will, out into the infinite universe. We ask not only with our words, but with our very beingness. And so a piece of this gateway to being a better receiver is paying attention to how are we asking? What are we putting out and into the universe? If we don't only ask with our words, then it requires a deeper exploration into how are we asking in the very way that we are showing up? in life. 
I had a vision or a memory come flooding back to my mind as I was looking at this this morning. And that vision was sitting in Sammy's Woodfire Pizza Kitchen over here in Scripps Ranch. Probably, I don't know, 15 years ago, probably longer than that, maybe 18, 19 years ago, with our daughter Jennifer and our son Jonathan. And we had this tradition that at the end of the school year, we'd go to Sammy's um, Woodfire Pizza Kitchen, we'd have something for dinner, and we would um, have a dessert. And so as we're sitting there, we had not yet ordered dessert, and we'd never seen this particular dessert. And all of a sudden, waitress walks by to a table, not ours, with this gigantic, absolutely gigantic glass container of ice cream overflowing with hot fudge, topped with an incredible amount of whipped cream and caramel flowing as well. And my daughter's eyes But not a word, not one word. And to this day, I remember watching that. Not a word. I said, Jennifer, is there anything you want to say? <laughs> not a word. She's laughing a bit. Not a word. And I'm just wanting, I want to give it to her, but I want her to ask me, is there anything you want to ask for? Not a word. This went on for probably a good three or four minutes. I finally said, are you sure there isn't anything you want? You can't have it if you don't ask for it. And finally, somehow she said, I'd like that. <laughs> and it became our tradition then every year at the end of the school year we would go, and we even did it um, rather recently for her birthday to get this messy Sunday. But I was thinking about that, how she as a kid, just projected exactly what she wanted, right? And the universe, this way expressing through her mom, wanted nothing more than to deliver it. But I really wanted her to learn it's okay to ask. And that when you ask, you at least increase the odds, <laughs> right? It's not, you at least increase the odds that you're going to receive, right? Yes, because sometimes I think in our metaphysical simplisticness. We think it's just this very surface I ask and I get. It, I don't think it works that way. When we're asking, we're asking on so many different levels. And so part of becoming a better receiver is that intimate journey within of trying to understand ourselves better. And how are we showing up? How is the energy of who and what we are, our history, so forth, showing up and putting something out into the universe that the universe is responding to, either responding in a way we prefer or responding in a way we don't prefer. So a second idea is this idea of, and this comes directly from, from the book from Amanda Owen. She says, put yourself on a complaint-free fast. Feelings are universal, your story is not. That really grabbed me. I'd heard many times before of the idea of put yourself on a complaint free diet or complaint-free fast, meaning you're just not going to complain for a period of, of time. And it's harder to do than we might think. Um, anyway, put yourself on a complaint-free fast. But then when she wrote, feelings are universal, your story is not. That's rich. This is how she writes about it. Complaining is different than talking about your feelings. 
Complaining is telling a story about your suffering with you as the victim. Feelings are universal. Everyone can relate to them. Every feeling you've had has been experienced in some version by everyone else. A story is not universal. It's specific to you. For example, if you gripe about your boss and the details of your job, your listeners will not be as attentive as they would be if you were talking about feeling unappreciated. People can relate to feeling unappreciated. So the idea is to, to notice if you're, that energy of complaining is moving in you and to pull yourself away from the story and try to understand what's beneath the, the pull to complain. And usually what we'll find, what, what we will find is that there is a feeling, there is something unmet that we are experiencing. And the point I think she's trying to make is we are better at moving forward and healing and moving in the direction of receiving what we really want if we can get in touch with what is the request beneath the complaint. Not paying attention so much to the story, but what is the feeling? Is it feeling, I feel unappreciated, I feel not seen, I feel misunderstood, I feel judged, whatever that may be. See if you can relate to this. The idea being that we almost seem as a species to have a tendency toward bonding around complaining. Think of how often you might have a casual conversation with someone. An image comes to my mind of just stepping in a crowded elevator and people starting to just talk a little bit. And one of the common things people will talk about, and it's almost always a complaint, is the weather. Right? You know, think about, just pay attention not only to yourself, but pay attention to what you hear around you between now and next Sunday. If there's this tendency in you or in others to bond with another through storytelling and through complaining, would you say that that's a particularly healthy way of bonding? I don't think so. It doesn't usually accomplish very much. Edwin Gaines, a unity minister, she was actually in the year ahead of me. So I had a lot, a whole year of, of energy of Edwin Gaines. She um, became a, a much-loved prosperity teacher in our unity movement. She writes this, if we don't complain, what will we talk about? I wish I could mimic her great southern accent and just her energy and way of being. But if we don't complain, what will we talk about? And the point is that complaining pushes away the divine, pushes away the energy of good. I mean, do you find yourself running with open arms toward the people in life that complain all the time? Your chuckling leads me to believe that you, like myself, would prefer not to have an overabundance of that in my life, okay? So to be a better receiver, Pay attention to how you're asking. That was her first point. And just notice complaining. And if you feel bold and brave, put yourself on a complaint-free fast. Drop. You can still tell and speak about your feelings. It's okay to say, I'm feeling unappreciated. I'm feeling stuck. I'm feeling afraid. You don't stay mired in it. You name it so that you can move past it. But you pull yourself out of the victim role. And here's the third and the last. 
Amanda Owens writes, receive everything, decide later. I liked that, receive everything, decide later. To me, that, that has the feel of some of the concepts in Buddhism, that be with what is, accept, recognize, be with what is, everything ebbs and flows, everything moves and changes. This idea, receive everything, decide later, to me also carries with it the invitation not to judge. If I'm receiving it, I'm not judging it. If I'm receiving it, I can decide later what it means. And in fact, it may take some other things happening in my life before I understand why that happened. What do I mean by that? How many of you can relate to the idea of it was the best, worst thing that ever happened to me? Can you relate to that? But I bet in the middle of experiencing what you now can say was the best, worst thing that you ever experienced, when you were in the middle of it, were you able to say it then? Pro probably not. Probably not. If you were in this teaching, you may have had others trying to help you kind of step into that idea, right? But when we're in the midst of it, oftentimes it's hard to hold on to that. And I think this is in part what she's touching upon when she says, receive everything, decide later. She writes, emotions need acknowledgement. Acknowledgement is a way we receive something. Emotions need acknowledgement to be received. We pay a high price when we ignore or suppress our feelings. And in our quest to, to live from the light within us, as fully as we possibly can, we can then be, what's the word I'm looking for? We can then struggle with embracing the fact that there is the shadow in us as well. That though we desire to be as good as we possibly can be, to be as loving and kind and non-judgmental and compassionate as we possibly can be, that there are moments, maybe many moments, that we fall short, right? And to not, to not disown that, to, to acknowledge and embrace our divinity and our humanity. The Dalai Lama, who is considered to be just a beautiful, shining, bright spiritual light on our planet, was once asked if he ever got angry. If he ever got angry. And when he was asked the question, he laughed. And do you know what his answer was? Of course. Of course. We can point to Jesus if Jesus is the one that we hold up as a highest teacher. When he went into the temple and threw out the money changers, he was not saying, excuse me, please, I think you need to leave. He was, I won't use the word, he was very angry. He was very angry. He's very angry. The Dalai Lama explained that an emotion, just like an ocean wave, once experienced, returns to the ocean. Once experienced, returns to the ocean. So not pushed down, not dwelling in forever, but once experienced, returns to the ocean. 
You experience an emotion, but you don't get stuck there. Let it return to the source. You may be familiar with some of these words in this poem from Rumi, 13th century Persian poet, mystic. It's called The Guest House. I want to read it and then summarize and bring this to a close. It is the idea of receiving everything, deciding later, experiencing the many different dimensions of ourselves, what it means to be human and divine. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. Treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. If you've done any therapy work, any deep reflective work, you know that to be human means that we have unhealed parts of ourselves. To be spiritually committed means we are willing to take a look at those unhealed parts and to do whatever we can do to seek whatever outside help, inside help, to heal those parts. And all of this helps us to become a better receiver, a better receiver for divine ideas, for inspiration, for healing, for abundance, for happy relationships. So in summary, there's a strong connection between our asking and our receiving. So pay attention and go deeper to identify how it is that you are asking of the universe. Put yourself on a complaint-free fast. Your feelings are universal, but your story is not. Identify your feelings and try to move away from the story and receive everything. Decide later. Namaste. Namaste.